So first off, just tell me a little bit about yourself, um, kind of where you came from, um, where you are now, and what you're hoping to do in the future. All right, well, uh, my name is John Alahi, and I'm totally fine with you publicizing or publishing this uh, in the public domain. But um, for a little background about myself, I would probably classify myself as a quasi-first-generation immigrant. Uh, my parents came, uh, they're naturalized American citizens. I was born in the Midwest, actually in Wisconsin, but I left when I was maybe a couple years old and actually lived in the Middle East for a couple of years. Actually, we lived in Aramco, which is like an American compound um, within the whole Saudi Arabia com uh, country. And then we were actually evacuated during the first Gulf War, the Operation Desert Storm. So where when Kuwait or Iraq, Iraq invaded Kuwait, they fired a couple of skid missiles kind of close to where our compound was. So we had sirens, gas masks, and you know, as a kid, that was pretty cool. But um, my parents had other ideas. So eventually we got evacuated to Pakistan. So I lived there. My parents are actually from India, but they migrated during the partition, which uh, that area, so Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, was actually one country, was actually India. And then colonized by the, the British. And when they left in 1947, um, we hear about um, Gandhi and uh, Muhammad Ali Jinnah and uh, Nehru, some of the other world leaders. Gandhi started the whole nonviolent movement that started, actually started um, when he was in South Africa. But long story short, they migrated because of the, the communal violence. And so then they uh, made Fox on their home. So I moved there maybe when I was in fifth grade, fourth, fifth grade, going back and forth a little bit between Saudi Arabia and Pakistan, then ended up graduating high school there, and then um, ended up coming to college here in the United States, went to school in New York City at Columbia University. And then actually my first, so I was there, came there in 2000 and then was there before 9-11. So that also is um, uh, a big change, or you know, a lot of things happened. But it was there, help with. I uh, went down to Ground Zero, try to help out. Um, so stayed in New York City, Brooklyn, for about six, seven years. Then ended up going to law school, and then um, my sister was in Omaha, and actually I got a scholarship to go to law school here. So I'm going to Creighton University, and I went back to New York. And so then I, actually now that I kind of reflect a lot of my life upbringing has been shaped through, through world events um, from war to 9-11. You know, also um, in Pakistan, martial law, I was there to kind of see that happen as well and see the different aspects of democracy and, and, and that sort of a narrative. And then, um, so yeah, so I'm a lawyer by trade, an attorney. And I was actually um, thought I was going to be one of those high-profile Wall Street lawyers. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen that show, Suits. It's like on a USA Network where Harvey okay, Specter. Yeah. Like he's a he's a big wig, and you know he's a mover shaker. So I was thought I was going to be something like that. But then, because of 2008, 2009 uh, market crash, real estate crash, so that kind of put a damper in a lot of things too. 
but ended up going working at a, a Fortune 500 company, in-house corporation work or corporate counsel. Then I just wasn't really passionate about the work I was doing there, making, um, not really helping the clients that I wanted to help. And so then ended up quitting that job and then opened up my own private practice, started volunteering a lot for um, nonprofit organizations like Legal Aid of Nebraska, the Women's Center of Advancement, Immigration Clinic Centers, and then this opportunity happened, opened up at Habitat. So ended up uh, applying for uh, the general counsel position over there and ended up getting that position, worked there for about six, seven years. And now I'm actually at 75 North, which is actually another nonprofit. And I'm actually the chief compliance officer. So I do a lot of the legal work, but also the strategic planning operations. We're actually a small knit group. So um, in the nonprofit world, you actually wear a lot of different hats. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, um, kind of taking more of a legal role, but more of a, an executive role as well in this organization. Awesome. Um... So where do you hope to go with your involvement? Um, seems like in the last few years or last decade or so, you've really started leaning toward humanitarian work. Um, that's where you are now. Uh, do you see yourself doing that from, for the rest of your working days or do you have some bigger overarching goal that you'd like to eventually reach that um, is related to that? Yeah, I mean, I've been drawn to the humanitarian side. My, my dad, he's a physician, but he was always in the public sector of things and he actually start, helped start a, a hospital in Pakistan. So he was always about giving back to the community um, and looking at the over, more of the overall picture. So kind of giving you a snapshot of what 75 North does is um, they look at the holistic approach of things. So I've always been in, into the, the affordable housing spectrum, but now what we do is that we look at you know, healthy living to healthy lifestyle wellness, meaning that we have a greenhouse. We're looking at produce, sustainability, um, and basically health is a factor, determinant, one of the determinants of living a healthy life. And so if you have, you know, an, an ailment or diabetes, is usually it's a lot of the preventative medicine that um, people, I believe we should focus on to, instead of treating the condition, we should treat what leads up to those conditions. And so this is kind of what uh, 75 North does. And, and so I'm kind of enjoying it, but do I see myself in this arena? Yeah, I, I again, you know, I, I could have gone to the corporate side the sector and made a lot of money. And there's different elements of making change. So for instance, you know, if you do have a successful uh, career uh, and financial spectrum of things, you know, people, how people give back is maybe donating their, um, their money. Other people donate their time. And I kind of like to blend both of those where um, through my, through financial planning, as well as um, my expertise in this area. So, for instance, like the, some of the advocacy work that I do is that uh, on a state level, we had like the payday lending, predatory lending. So basically that's not a regulated business in the state of Nebraska. So for instance, if you had, if you're 
car broke down and you needed $500 to repair it, usually banks won't lend you that much money because it's a small amount. And even if they did, usually they'll look at the credit history. And usually if you're in living paycheck to paycheck, the probability is that you have bad credit. So people will go to these predatory lenders and what ends up happening, a $500 loan takes about a couple of years to pay back. And by that time you've paid $5,000 in fees. And so, you know, I went to advocate on some of these people's behalf by um, um, testifying from the, the Consumer Protection Financial Bureau to saying, and so, I, I mean, we just passed, or there was, like, I, you might be familiar with this, but there was a, an initiative on the ballot initiative where, you know, should this be regulated? So, you know, we talk about usury laws. So usury is like a very biblical term where you're not supposed to charge too much high interest of somebody in need. And so there's no usury laws with these lenders. So, um, so for me, the impact in the humanitarian work is more, I like to get more involved in the systemic side of change rather than just changing, you know, um, the more that the quote where you can teach person how to fish or you can just catch the fish for them. So I see myself in the side, the nonprofit side, but um, just trying to figure out as, as I progress, whether it's through my career, how do I affect more of that change in a more of a, a citywide, statewide level um, is still to be decided. But um, I think, uh, I think we're, we, are, we live in, in a, a world now in a, in a state, in a city, in a community that is always changing. And you just got to be adaptable and where you can affect that, those changes, you just find where your role fits. So I think right now is in the nonprofit housing slash healthy eating slash um, public transportation. So we were involved in public transportation too. And in, in, in Omaha, I don't know how familiar you are with Omaha, but it's, so I've lived in a lot of different areas and it's a fairly segregated community. So in North Omaha, a lot of the more of the African-Americans live, South Omaha, more of the Hispanics, West Omaha, more of like the, the white um, demographics live. And so living in, in New York City, for instance, what makes, made, makes New York great, it's a great immigrant town because you have people coming in and out and labor force, depending on, you know, the, the service industry, like a lot of the, the greatest not a lot, but a lot of the great chefs are Mexicans because, you know, that labor is just conducive. Uh, the culinary labor is just conducive to, in New York City because it's a big population people have to eat. But the public transportation is great because when you're in a subway, you're forced to interact with, whether you like it or not, you're forced to interact with people of different languages. You'll hear, hear five to 10 different languages in the subway. You're forced to see people on a different socioeconomic level who might be rich to blue collar poor students to um people who are who are blind to and you'll see uh, people hustling making money music musicians so you get exposed to a lot over here what happens is that um, it's a very car driven society so usually you live in your own bubble and granted you know we're not saying public transportation 
is create those bubbles. We create our own bubble through our social media, but you in your car, you listen to your NPR news or your Fox news, go see the same people, you come back and you do the same thing every day. And so talking about what the, the, the community aspect of like, what kind of society would, I would like to live in would be one of, you know, where people are forced to share um, uh, public transportation. Like I think that the whole modus operandi of what is ownership. So for instance, I was actually talking to one of my friends about iTunes. You know, Apple came out with a new iPhone. And so we were just talking about iPods. I remember when I first got my iPod, I was like, this is amazing. I want to, I know, I mean, this might be before your time, but Napster and downloading music was awesome. And you want to have that ownership. Like I own this huge, like 5,000 songs, but now it's like, you know what? I'd rather have my Spotify and just have like pay that subscription of sharing, the sharing mechanism. And so it's the whole model of what, community is now is more having that sharing model of you know when you have netflix you don't own dvds anymore you you subscribe to it and so i think having that mind shift with public transportation is going to be coming in and even the community and you know it goes beyond uh, public transportation goes down to food as well and food deserts so I think that, I mean, what I enjoy now is more of that strategic planning of the model of what, what does, what does a community community look like now in terms of sharing and food and travel. And so long story short, I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but I think this is the realm I like, I enjoy, and I, I can affect change. Awesome. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because um, I've grown up in Omaha my entire life and I have traveled a bit with family um, and through school and stuff. Um, and Omaha is very, um, may not be unique compared to quite a few other cities, but compared to New York, it is unique in the fact that it is very segregated. And uh, I've lived in West Omaha pretty much my whole life. So, you know, I can get in my car, go to the store, you know, Target, and it's pretty much just all white people, you know, driving their big suburbans and stuff. So it, it's, you know, weird when you hop in the car and then drive to downtown Omaha for, you know, a dinner date or something. And it's almost like a completely different city, even though it's just 10 miles away. Um, yeah. And that, that's one reason why I want to get into traveling and, you know, travel nursing, just explore these different cities and see what's out there. Cause I know there's a lot that's different than, you know, West Omaha and Lincoln that I'm so used to now. Um, so it's great that you brought that up. And I think that's interesting. The idea of, um, like a shared communal um, transportation system that is different than, you know, what we have now. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. You're right. You know, with the way everything's moving, it's subscriptions left and right. seems like nowadays, if it's on the internet, it's subscription based. <laughs> Can't get out of it. So um, let's see what we have. So um, you talked a little bit about Habitat for Humanity. Could you um, quickly kind of sum up what Habitat for Humanity um what their goals are, what they kind of try and do in the community um, and how you fit into that. Yeah. Um, so when I, my time at Habitat for Humanity, so I was only a lawyer there. So we grew from about 50 employees to about now we're, well, when I left, it was about 115 employees. So we saw a, a big transition. And so um, Habitat main focus is in affordable housing and to have a volunteer based model so that's kind of what keeps the cost down so a lot of the construction certain stuff 
are outsourced to subcontractors and other volunteers can help build and keep the costs down. So they do housing, but then they also do a lot of retail. So um, the restore is what they call it. And so it's like a cheap version, excuse me, it's a cheap version of Menards or Lowe's where um, construction companies will donate their goods. And so, and Habitat are also lenders. So usually the misnomer is that it's not a handout, but it's a hand up. And so basically people pay for their homes. They actually have to do, um, sweat equity, like usually it's about 250 or 350 hours of sweat equity. Um, and then also my role too is, uh, you know, real estate, a lot of real estate, you need to acquire the land, you need to, um, and then again, like when we talk about preventative health wise, there's also like uh, ways to, I don't know the terminology is preventative, um, not to lose your wealth, but one of the great tools in, accumulating wealth is through home ownership. And what happens is that a lot of times homes, uh, a grandparent doesn't have a will. And so then um, the child, grandchild will live in the house. And then by that time, if they decide to want to get a loan or if they want to sell the property, they can't because they don't, they don't have title to the property. They don't have ownership. You have to show you own the property once you parents die by like, you know, going to court or you have a will. So a lot of these know how um, legal, like they don't know these legal um, ins and outs. And so then these, they leave the house and they don't, they're not able to transfer this wealth on, onwards to the children. So a lot of that, a lot of my focus also is giving those, those legal knowledge and helping guide uh, these individuals in the community of like how to retain that wealth. Also, um, I did a lot of ad advocacy work. So my time when I did work at Habitat, I went to, to testify for against the predatory lending or to promote more of the predatory lending laws. And then, um, so yeah, I mean, every day was something different. Every day is also as a lawyer too, um, you you are you assess risk management skills what how to protect the organization but also at the same time to um, how to um, push beyond um, to be creative and create new programs so it's a it's a balancing act but um, and we also provide resources for families that come in so at habitat uh, so there's also people are more become our senior and just figuring out to provide them sources they are with ARP and um, and other legal issues that sometimes we can't help out with or so sometimes people come in the divorces and then how do you split up this the property so I kind of we kind of help either I'll help guide them or give them other resources to um, navigate those matters so and now at that guess and now so that was what i was doing there and that 75 north is kind of now we're taking more of the holistic approach to of what encompasses so we have like a it's called a purposeful built community so what does that what does the community look like now so when you when you build homes if you just build a lot of affordable housing uh how does that help the community because usually 
when the research that's been done, you want to have a mixed income use. So meaning that you want to maybe a third affordable, affordable housing, a third market rate, and maybe a third of townhomes, a third of uh, uh, apartment rows. So you have a, a, a good selection, a good mix of, of socioeconomic levels to help with the community, help build ties into the community. And so, that is kind of the approach now that I'm involved with too. Like, what is that holistic approach? Like, you know, when we were talking about public transportation, so what, what we are doing now is like a road diet. So one of these main corridors, like on 30th Street, it actually used to be a two, a four lane highway. So it'd be a lot of fast cars going. And now we want to promote walking. Walking is helps with health. So how do we promote that? Because it's dangerous walking in like a fast highway. So we, we did like a road diet. So we uh, shorten, do like a one or two lane roads and uh, put a couple of speed bumps and also included like a bike lane. So not only are we trying to promote people walking, but people biking, making more healthier life choices and also creating, um, working with uh, MAPA, which is like the, the Metro Metropolitan Agency for Public Transportation and creating more um, bus routes could come up more at uh, more times during the day for people to get to work and come back. And so, so that's another approach we're, we're looking at too. And also we, we talked about like healthy living, maybe incorporating like a food desert. So there's, there's been research where people uh when there's a food desert meaning that there's no natural produce or an uh a store that gives produce then there's more likelihood of um diabetes because people will eat junk food and so if you promote uh if you encourage other people or healthy uh organization grocery stores to come and have these products available, like you'll see an uplifting in the community. So the stuff like that we, we are looking into as well, down to um, like we talked about senior living too. Or so when you listen, when you build a community, a lot of times, you know, when you look at the elections, you, um, when you're polling people, you're like, what do you want? And so you have to listen to the community. And so usually what we're trying to do too is listen to the community. One of the aspects is senior living. And, you know, as hopefully, I think there's been a little regression in life expectancy for developed countries is that there's gonna be a growing senior population. And when you're in nursing too, you know, you'll see a lot of that. Like, how do you address that? Like, do you have assisted facilities? Do you have senior living facilities? And if you have senior living facilities, you know, you want them to live like a healthy and productive lifestyle. So like how are they gonna have transportation? Do they have amenities for like a coffee shop? And so we have a coffee shop here. We have some certain retail businesses. And so we're also building a senior living facility as well that should be completed next year. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of, uh, what my role has been in the nonprofit world for the last about seven, eight years. So it sounds like you do quite a bit um, and a wide variety too. It's not just like quite a bit in one topic or one area. It's, it's trying to reach out to the entire community um, with that holistic approach, like you said, 
Um, is there one aspect of all of that that you find most meaningful? Oh, yeah. No, I think for me, like, I've always been like the fast pace, like living in New York for such a long time too. Like I like information. I like to uh, big thinking. I like kind of um, figuring out everything. I guess it's maybe like the what jack of all trades, master of none. But I think at the end of it, like people have different needs. I think like, you know, when you go into nursing or even like medicine, there's a different needs of pediatricians. Like, you know, there's like, you know, oncology, there's different, all these different types of aspects of like the healthcare field. Um, and so I guess law similar too, where, you know, if you see lawyers in private practice to get specialized, um, for me, I never, I don't like to be pigeonholed. Like I just kind of, you know, I go out, people don't even think I'm a lawyer, just the just way, you know, um, I present myself sometimes more, more casual. And so um, I think a lot of my folks has been in real estate in terms of uh, acquiring stuff, but I think I enjoy it all. Like I, I, I love being this, this strategic, big thinking, you know, where do we see ourselves in five, 10 years? How do we get there? Trying to think way in the future. And you know, so half the time you might be wrong, but other half the time you just have to make the choices you have and kind of predict what's going to happen. I enjoy that. So, um, and that doesn't normally necessarily correlate to staying the legal side of it. Cause like my, I guess the positions that I have um, gotten or been in and, encompasses not only the legal side, but the business side, the operational side, the advocacy side, the fundraising side, the telling the story side. So a lot of times through the nonprofit is telling the story, telling, um, cause everybody likes a good story. And I think that's kind of one of the things where kind of drew me to the legal side of it is that if you look through the course of history, the, the like even when you look at religion, like the best orders, the best like, stories, or like, you know, the Odyssey, the Iliad, um, um, Gamesh, like the in, in India, or even religion, like the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, like this all started through storytelling. And so, um, and I think it's human nature and we, we'll always enjoy that. And just when you hear a feel good story, I mean, it makes you feel good, draws inspiration. And so, I think for me, it's just kind of um, telling the story and kind of getting that vision and that encompasses different aspects of my, my job now. Okay, awesome. So yeah, these next few questions um, focus on your artwork um, and kind of where that's been. So I don't know a lot about it, but I did see on your website um, and then an interview you did with the Daily Nebraskan as well. Um, that they interviewed you about your artwork in a little bit. So um, I guess my question for you is at what point did you realize that artwork was one of your passions and um, how did you realize how that could affect your work as a lawyer? Yeah, I think um, the, <laughs> when you ever ask somebody, I guess when they're grown or is like in any job, like maybe they're not comfortable be calling themselves an artist. And so I never thought of myself as an artist because, you know, you see Picassos and the Rembrandts or all these like, and it's like, yeah, I'm like my art's never going to make me millions of dollars. So 
that label, but I think when I look back in my life, I think I've always been drawn to it. And I think growing up as a kid, there, through my own life experiences and stuff that I had to deal with, there's sometimes you don't have the words for it. And so you explore different mediums to share ideas you have in your head that sometimes you just are not, maybe your brain is not developed in how to use words. So um, I was, I mean, I played the piano as a kid and, and I was always drawn to music. And, and then I, I picked up a camera when I was, a, uh, when I, probably at the end of high school, and just started taking pictures and, and then I started writing as well. So I, I enjoy exploring different mediums. And I think those different mediums bring out different ideas in my head. Sometimes I'm not able to understand or sometimes after I come out with like a picture, like why did I, why did I shoot this? Like why, what was the composition? Why, like, or if I was making music, what, what makes me feel a certain way? Why, like, or the lyrics or if I'm writing something, um, or I want to get something published. So it helps me kind of, uh, understand the world I live in. And I think that, uh, and also make sense of things that are happening, you know, whether it's deals with political events, day-to-day -day events. And so I thought, or and people thought it was good. And so usually, so I made a music album too when I was in college, that was gonna be a rock star. So, so somewhere I got worked with another friend of mine. And so we made an album, a couple of TV shows liked it and, um, used it in their TV shows. So we were, thought we were going to make it big. Um, but then, you know, it's, it's a hustle living in New York City too. But then taking pictures and I had one of my uh, advisors said that, why don't you do a show at Columbia? And then I was like, well, I have no idea how to do any of this. So she kind of helped guide me through like, this is uh, how you do it, how do you put on a show? And then it was just kind of, sometimes it's like a little bit of luck, but then um, people got good reviews, got written up and then, um, and so then it kind of kept with it. So I've always enjoyed enjoy the story aspect of it. I know I, I kind of talked about my legal side, but also, you know, art is a storytelling mechanism. Photography comes easiest to me, but, um, you know, when you take a picture, you're telling a story, like why, you know, what's going to be in the, the frame and what are you going to shoot it of? And I like taking shots and actually writing about it as well and a little more um, open language. And I feel that, and with art, people can relate. It doesn't matter what you, your background is or um, how you look. There's certain things with art just brings out emotions and feelings. It makes you feel something. I think for me, what makes, what, how I enjoy art and art's different for everybody. But for me, what makes good art is when it invokes a feeling that maybe you knew you had, maybe you didn't have, but you see something and it speaks to you. Like, and so usually sometimes people would always ask like, what was the inspiration or why did you, like, what was the thought behind it? Which, before I wasn't too comfortable because I wanted the viewer to have their own relationship to it. But um, I mean, I'll tell people how I feel or what I was thinking about it when I was doing it, but I usually like to ask them first, like what, what, what are you taking out of it? Because um, when you create art, 
I think that one friend told me once was that when you make art, you know, you always think it belongs to you, but it does not belong to you. It belongs to the world. So put yourself out there, give it out. And um, so basically meaning you're just a signal or, you know, you're just like an, uh, an outlet for this artwork that's coming out. And, and it might be some force using you as like the, the brush or the picture, but you, you, it belongs to the world and um, whatever meaning sometimes the, the artwork will take a meaning of his own. But, um, but yeah, so I was kind of, I kind of knew inside that art was like, it was an easy way for me to communicate things in my head that I wasn't able to communicate through words. But as I kind of progress, like words, and now I mean, I can kind of make use words to um, give a story as well. And I think the law aspect of it kind of helps with it too, where when you, um, make an argument is either going to be written or an oral argument so it's kind of a lot of stuff is blending together as as i progress in my in my life so would you say the ability of art to kind of tell a story without using any sort of words and it's just those other mediums to tell a story is that one of the most meaningful things about art that really um hits home with you and that's why you've pursued it all your life yeah, I think yeah, I think with art, it's something some multifaceted, and I think that um, I remember talking to one developer, and she said that um, a good, uh, you know, when like I'm not sure if you're familiar with Blackstone or or Benson, like these are upcoming neighborhoods in the area, and like what makes this like, and when you travel to other cities. I've been to like Dallas, Denver. I travel a lot. And so you, for me, when I was talking with her, I was like, what makes, like, why are these areas pockets like rising up? And she said, you know, a third, <laughs> a third is usually the gaze. A third is the art. And a third is um, just like the people that, you know, that make the, the area. That's, like, you know. And so basically she was saying with the art part aspect of it is that um, with uh, people like art, I mean, and you know, you might, and art is multifaceted. So when I say art, I'm talking about performance art, you know, music, uh, you know, galleries. And so it's, it's impactful, it's powerful. And so uh, sometimes when you, you talk about law, for instance, or even talk about even like reading books as an art form, but do people have the time to sit in this day and age where the attention span is getting less and less and less, you know, when you have like TikTok, which is, you know, or, you know, you have a minute of somebody's attention, they're not going to read a 500 page book, a 300 page book. I mean, people will do it, but I think with some of these art where it's more flat, you can just, it's all presented to you in a short time span that you, people can, is you can talk to people. And so, um, I think sometimes for me, like, you know, when you have, when you talk about people that want to be misunderstood, usually people go towards art to tell a story and even that, and then, you know, you still, can still be misunderstood. But I think that I always enjoy just um, uh, being, tell, sharing the human, the human side of a story and being provocative. And I think that in based on my life experiences, whether, you know, when, when I was in New York City, you know, I got, you know, stopped and frisked and so, or, you know, I mean, harassment and stuff with law enforcement. 
So a lot of times too, it's like, well, how can I relay that stories, those stories sometimes in a more succinct um, uh, way that people can, you know, whether they get my story or not, but they will get a story of maybe their life and maybe they can see things in a different ways, all about perspective and changing just the perspective to show that, you know, we, um, we're all humans. We all want the basic things and life, enjoy life and be happy. So I think with the art that I, I do is like more of, um, which I enjoy is like creating a story where people can kind of, it's impactful and you don't have to like sit down with it for two, three weeks to finish, like, you know, with a book or something like that. So I'm not sure if I really answered your question, but I went on a couple of tangents, but. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. I, it was a good answer nonetheless. Um, kind of bouncing off that, do you think that your um, work as an artist, or um, if you don't want to use that label, just your artwork, um, or your work as an attorney, do you think one of those speaks louder than the other, or do you think it really kind of depends on um, the story being told and the situation that it's in? Yeah, I think it, it, it just depends, like, you know, and like in life, it's like everything is a dance, you know, you guys realize what kind of music is playing, if it's like a, you know, slow dance you go in that that rhythm if it's like you know who your audience is and so when i mean the holistic the work i'm doing right now is it's a very holistic approach i need to use my legal skills but also i need to use my storytelling skills so how do i kind of incorporate you know telling story it's like an art form so i think it encompasses everything so for instance like you know mathematics when you're a physicist or you're, you're making like a, a nuclear bomb or something, you know, you, but the math, the formulas, numbers, that's all a language is an art form. How do you make that, you know, su succinct? And so I think my legal career, I mean, I have to kind of incorporate those artistic skills I've learned. But I think for instance, you know, in Blackstone, I actually have a mural up there. Um, of me about the, uh, uh, it's a kind of a, uh, deals with law enforcement, being an immigrant, bringing culture into the Nebraskan American Midwestern fabric, uh, community fabric. And so I think that's impactful where, you know, you have people that are younger and you gotta know your audience too. So I think a lot of people, um, not a lot, but for the most part, I mean, there are, the younger you are, the, the more likely it is for you to be more progressive. So maybe show art or show stuff like an art, a mural of me, um, kind of like in a hands up gesture uh, that might speak more to that audience. It was, it was, if it speaks to an audience of maybe older, more conservative, it wouldn't sit well, which actually the, my mural was actually asked to be removed. Uh, so it was actually, this is the second location, but that group of people um, was more conservative. I mean, again, these are my assumptions, but that's why I was asked to be removed. So um, I guess also I was saying the dance, know the music, the rhythm, this, rhythm to play. Um, you just gotta figure out what's going to get the message across. And so you, you wanna be as open and as less, as open and inclusive to the people that you're trying to communicate and help with. And so sometimes it might be the art side of it. Sometimes it might be the legal side of it or the corporate side of it. You just kind of, kind of just kind of balance through 
what 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 it entails like you know for instance getting in nursing too when you or medicine when you're taking care of a patient you got to figure out which skills you want like start the soft the soft skills the hard skills this is person like you know you want to ask them what's what's wrong with you you know they're not going to open it up sometimes you just gotta have be approaching in a way that they will be comfortable telling their story and so that's our art form of how to make people comfortable to treat the the, the disease or whatever they have so absolutely thank you um also my last question for you was just if you have any last comment or you want to leave anyone who's uh, listening to this podcast with a final thought um this would be the time for that no i think i mean i'm actually super uh happy that you kind of reached out because i think that you just you have to be curious um and i think i mean you show a lot of that and and you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable i think in this day and age where um people are set in their bubbles but i think you need to keep on i want to say reinventing yourself but you got to keep on adapting to different circumstances and so for instance like for me like i travel all over the world so sometimes people come to me it's like well what do you like how's nebraska like and so it's like well i really don't know much about nebraska outside of omaha and lincoln and uh so then i made an effort the last couple of years to go out to farms to like you know see how what how other people live or how they what their beliefs and um, I spend weekends with farmers and cook for them, and they, they take me out to their, like the farms. I take pictures, do the whole documenting, storytelling, and so I think that um, is important, especially you know with your with your young folks to kind of go out and explore, travel. Travel is one of the best ways to learn the personal development. Where go learn a different language, go be the minority, go where, you know, people don't like, you know, look like you. And so, I mean, and I think that you'll be surprised that, you know, there's different ways, different like, like religion, just different ways to the path of a spiritual well-lived life. And, you know, different religions have different avenues of getting there. And I think that when you travel to and you see different cultures, there's different ways of living, there's different ways of seeing the world and, you know, you become a better person, become more open. Um, but yeah, be, you know, be, be curious, be adaptable, be uncomfortable. Even now we're talking about race and race is such a, and it's not going to racism, you know, has existed for millennia, centuries, and it's, and it's going to continue forward too, but, you know, broaden like you know create friendships with people that don't look like you or you know and then um you just become a better person all around and you know i think that uh, when you work on yourself you help the community as well so when you know for instance me you might you travel nurse you might go all over the world and then you know at one one point like you know might be like uh you know like hey troy what do you want to do with your life now it's like well i want to come back to to Omaha or Lincoln, Nebraska, small or wherever, and start up my own nursing clinic or something. Or I can maybe um, add more things I've learned, like the you know Eastern Western medicine, holistic approaches. Like how do you treat a person? Like you know, is it through med? Is it through narcotics or is it through lifestyle? Like di- dietitians or you know, there's so many different ways that your mind just opens up and 
community needs that and just uh yeah just continue what you're doing reaching out to people and just being persistent you know and fail forward too people are afraid to you know you're always like afraid to kind of like disappoint or to fail but you know you used to just reframe it you know it's like well just that that thing didn't work out i'm just gonna you know try a different way to get to where i want to go so um that's kind of my advice. And again, I'm still learning too. And everybody at, at the end of the day, they're, everybody's winging it. So, so if somebody says no, that's that person. But just like, you know, I've, my whole life, I've always been told no. I just find creative ways to get around it or find creative solutions to kind of keep on moving forward. So um, that was kind of be me in a nutshell. Yeah, I love that. Um, and your comment on being comfortable with being uncomfortable um, I can really relate to that, um, you know, because every day in college, you know, it's like, okay, what can I do next to push myself, you know, and almost everything is like a little bit out of the comfort zone, you know, but I just tell myself it's those baby steps outside the comfort zone that expands the comfort zone. Um, and that's a big reason why I want to go into travel nursing, because I know that having to meet new people every 13 weeks and be in a totally different environment that's nowhere like home, you know, I think that will really push me to, you know, become a different more holistic person kind of like you mentioned so um yeah i think that's great advice um and again thank you so much for taking the time i realize we went a little bit over that 30 minute mark but um i got a lot out of this and i think i learned a lot and i hope anyone who's listening to this in the future does as well yeah anytime you want to reach out to you know you got my contact info so uh, don't hesitate and good luck with everything and yeah thanks for uh inviting me onto this, uh, you're being part of this honors uh, project. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps it up. So thank you again and have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. See you. Bye.